Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Wisdom, ultimately, is not information that you get that you didn't previously have to do something that you didn't know how to do, right? Information is good. Knowledge is good. But knowledge should turn into wisdom. Wisdom really is birthed from the Spirit of God. Wisdom is, you know, the way God thinks, the way God would do things. You look at Jesus, and he is the wisdom of God in action. He's the exact representation of the invisible God. He is the Word of God manifest. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. You want to know what wisdom looks like? Look at Jesus. And see, we have the responsibility to get our minds and hearts full of the way God thinks so that when He speaks to our hearts, it's not foreign to our minds. That's our job. Not to earn righteousness, not to earn blessing, not to earn favor, but to not limit what God wants to do through us. We have to get our minds and our hearts full of the way God thinks so that when he speaks to our hearts, it sounds familiar. It's like, oh, yes, I've been thinking that way. I've been thinking that all things are possible. So now here comes this grace inspiring me in this moment. I'm not going to limit. I'm not going to ignore God. I'm going to get into agreement with him and allow him to bear stuff into my life. And I think that whole process is the, is the manifestation of wisdom. It says that Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. You're redeemed. Amen? Amen. You're sanctified through the blood of Christ. By the one-time offering of his body, his blood has cleansed you, and you're made holy because of that sanctification. Now, you need wisdom daily. Wisdom is better than miracles. You daily walk in wisdom, you won't need a miracle. Think about it. If wisdom is walking out daily what God would lead you into, you're going to eat the right things. You're going to choose the right jobs. You're going to choose the right spouses. You're going to, you know, stuff might happen where you might still need a miracle, But you're going to be in a place more, not because you've gotten more spiritual or more holy or better at hearing God. It's just that God's wisdom is familiar to you because you filled your mind with it. You know, I wrestled in um, elementary, junior high school, and and we did drills, man, drills like three hours a day, five days a week. It was a lot. But by the time it came time to wrestle and you were in a match, you didn't think about the arm bar or where to put your hips or where to do it. It was just natural. You felt the position that you were in, and your body just did it. A lot of times you don't even know what you won with. You know, you you didn't even know the move that you executed. It just was a way you just naturally did what you needed to do because that's what needed to happen in that moment. That's how God's wisdom is. But because our ways are not like his ways, because we have this carnal intellectual information, we think differently than he thinks. Therefore, when we try to hear him, it's like we got to wade through all this stuff and then decide whether or not we're going to actually believe what he said and then whether or not we're actually going to follow it. Whereas if we can continually be in this process of filling our hearts and our minds with his ways, his word, the way that he thinks, the way that he sees the world, 
you know, you do that in many, 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 many different ways. I mean, worship, coming to church, somebody calls you and gives you a word during church, and <laughs> whatever it is, you know. I mean, that, we talk about that a lot. What inspires you, and are you making sure that you're putting it in front of you on a daily basis so that you will be continually acknowledging God? And as you do, then when you hear from Him, and it goes just from knowledge to a spiritual prompting, a, a grace moment where you're drawn, uh, invited in to actually follow him, it's natural for you because you're already thinking that way. You're already thinking that you're a child of God. You're already thinking that all things are possible. You're already thinking that you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You're already full of that type of thinking so that when he inspires that moment, you just walk it out. You just do it. But it's the wisdom that will teach you. It's the wisdom that will guide you of how to do it. Jesus says that, this is in John 16, I think I've got it in my notes here. They do have a thing called notes, I always forget about them. But In uh, John, I don't even have it in my notes, but I know it's in John 16. <laughs> he says that when the Holy Spirit comes, what he'll do is he will lead you and guide you into all truth. That's the process of the manifestation of wisdom. He will tell you what the Father is saying. He won't speak of his own. He'll speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. There's another place where he says the similar things, and he says he'll remind you what he told you. He'll tell you what the Father is saying in that moment. But what we need is not necessarily more information. What we need is a confident heart in faith toward him so that when he does lead us, we step out. Trusting that his spirit will teach you down each step of the way. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. See, truth is not just what's true. It's the application of what's true. See, the Holy Spirit is not just going to show up and teach you some true things. He'll show you how to walk those true things out so that it becomes truth. And you then display what he would lead you to display. Does that, you see the difference? It's not just you need information. It's no, I will, I will walk with you to the degree that it's like it's Jesus' steps that we're taking. We have become one with him and we're just walking with him. So Proverbs 9.10 says this, talking about wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, Jesus is interesting because in Deuteronomy 6, it says, Fear the Lord your God. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6 and Matthew 4, and he said, Worship the Lord your God. Under the new covenant, God's wrath has been satisfied in the propitiation of Jesus. There is no more anger that God has toward people because he's paid, Jesus paid the penalty for all of that. And if somebody can change a scripture, I think the Lord Jesus is qualified to do it. Don't you? So we can translate this to say, back to an old covenant scripture, look at it the way that Jesus would look at it, evidenced in what he did in Matthew 4. Are you with me? You okay with that? Is that legal? Yep. He says, worship is the beginning of wisdom. Worship is the beginning of wisdom. 
The word worship means to kiss the hand toward. I mean, that's pretty intimate, right? Blowing kisses. Blowing. I don't blow anybody kisses. My kids, maybe my wife sometimes, you know, maybe that's a different type of kiss, but blowing kisses. I mean, think about that. Is your reverence toward God to the degree where it's like you, you want to blow him a kiss? And then the other part of the definition that, that's used when Jesus talks about worship is to fall on your knees and touch the head to the ground in profound reverence. You know, I don't know what's going on in your heart and your mind when you worship, but it should predominantly be you have reverence toward him. Not like he's so holy that you can't be with him because you are one with him, but it's not your buddy Jesus. It's this is my God. This is the one that created everything. This is the one that I owe my life to. I owe my, my everything to. The one who birthed me in his mind before I was ever even on this planet. You know, that, that reverence, that awe. And then, and then it expands and you start to look at the world to, to just... Con this world, I mean, we should wake up in the morning and the very fact that you can take a breath and that oxygen assimilates into your body and nourishes your organs and keeps you walking, man, how dare we think God is not willing to provide for us? How dare we look at the lack in our lives and judge Him that he's not coming through for us. It's not him withholding. It's us not receiving. And I'm not saying you got to get more faith. It's just that we're not thinking the way that he's thinking. So we're going to do things our way. But what is it that produces that awe and that reverence and that respect to the degree where, man, you just hit the ground. You're just on the ground with your head on the ground. It's like, this is my king. This is my God. And in that environment the wisdom manifests. In that environment, the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you into all truth. So your problem is not a lack of knowledge. The problem that we have is we're not always following God, and we can. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't want to be an idealist. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. It's not like we need to turn into Mr. Super Spiritual Man and we can all say how much we hear God and impress each other with our words. That's not the point. It's in your heart. Is there such a reverence where you think the way that he thinks so that when he inspires you, you're just going to, you can't help but move. You know, and I, was, I was thinking about this. What does wisdom look like and how does it work? And in Psalm 51, verse 6, <clears throat> there's a really interesting passage. And it's really the title of this message is Wisdom in the Secret Heart. But in Psalm 51, in verse 6, it's, just, it's, just, it's tucked in the middle of some whining and complaining, you know. They do that in the Psalms a lot, David or Solomon or whatever. It's like, oh, is it going wrong? And then he'll say something like this. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Or this says in the secret place. I have NIV here. But that's where wisdom comes from. Wisdom is not, let me go to some class and learn some information, and then I can learn how to be a Christian. 
or let me give some money to this person who's going to take their offering to God for me and they're more blessed and understanding than I am, so they're going to get more of a return. Ugh. Jesus is your wisdom. Jesus is your qualification for blessing. And as we behold and acknowledge what he's done for us, it cultivates the environment within us to be led by him. I mean, do you want to be led by him? Amen. So this awe thing, I'm going to geek out on you here for a minute. I had lots of time on planes and dead downtime in between meetings and stuff. So when I do, I read, I do some light reading on stuff like, you know, quantum physics. And I don't understand it, but it's interesting to read, right? <laughs> so I came across some things. One of them is a documentary on Netflix. And I, I need to, I'll, I'll post, the, post it up on my Facebook. So if you want to watch it. You know, you can watch it. But some of the stuff that I've read and some of the things that are in this documentary, physicists have a problem. Now, in Switzerland, in uh, Geneva, there is a research facility called CERN, C-E-R-N. Now, <clears throat> you know, don't worry. When they turn the machine on, it's not going to rip the space-time continuum and let all the demons out of the pit to control the world. Because some people think that. That's kind of something that happened in September. They thought that that was going to get turned on and it's like going to create a portal and a wormhole and we're going to either implode or it's going to let the demons out. I don't know. It's really, I think it's impossible. But that's another topic. The issue is physicists have a problem. Now I'm going to tie this wisdom thing and having awe and respect toward God to some of these things that kind of that made me think, oh my gosh. I am so, I was very, I'm, we do, we constantly limit God. So physicists have a problem. They don't know why everything works. <laughs> Bottom line, physicists have what's called, there's two different kinds of physicists. There are theoretical physicists and experimental physicists. The experimental ones, they do things and actually produce results and test things. The theoretical physicists, take some of those experiments or they just make stuff up and they think, okay, well, you know. So there's all, it's funny, even in that physicist realm, there's, they, they argue over experiments or theories. So one of the experiments that they're doing is to try to find these particles and forces that they think have to exist that answer why everything actually works together. So they have what's called the standard model. The standard model has four forces, gravitational force, uh, electromagnetic force, weak force, strong force. And those are simple ways of saying it. That's about all I understand. So I, I know it, I sound really smart right now, but I just, you know, I'm just, I memorized it. <laughs> so there's the four forces. Then there's what they call the um, quarks, which there's five or six of those. And then they have a set of leptons. Not leprechauns, but leptons. <laughs> It's funny because they're waiting for leprechauns to show up, these mythical things that supposedly exist to do things. But it's, it's, it's like that's what they're doing. So here's the experiment. There is a large 17-mile loop that is a particle accelerator. They're, you know, they're, 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 doing, they're uh, accelerating a stream of particles in two different directions. So it's like two tubes going around like this. It's a row of particles on a micro, I mean, you know, subatomic level. And at some point, they're going to merge the two streams and they're going to collide. 
Now here's what they're expecting and here's why they're doing this because the problem is, so it's funny because you look at their standard model and, and then they put this, it's like they're all square and they're bold colored and everything and then all of a sudden, as part of, I should have put the image up here, but for their graph, their graphic for the standard model, for what they hope shows up, they put a circle that's kind of got some smoke around it and it look, it's like in the background and it looks real mystical compared to all the other parts that are in the model and they call that the Higgs boson or what you might have heard it called the God particle. It's like it's invisible, they don't know where it is, but something is making everything else work so it's got to be something other kind of particle out there. So what they're doing is when they turn the machine on and when they collide the streams they're hoping that they refabricate a, uh, a post Big Bang environment because their theory says that in the Big Bang all of this stuff burst into existence and something came and organized it and turned it into what we have here. So what they're doing is trying to create an environment that forces all these invisible particles and forces to show up to start organizing all the chaos that they've created because they don't know why it works. They don't know what it is that actually makes all these things hold together and function. Well, it's called the Word of God because He upholds all things by the power of His Word. By the Word of His power. And it's interesting because the word word, in, it's in Hebrews and it's in Colossians, the word word there is the word rhema. The word rhema is interesting because it's not just the word spoken. It's like, I can, what I'm doing is rhema. And the, the backside of rhema is the sound that you're hearing come out. The residual sound has to do with rhema. It's not just the word, it's the sound that continues after my word is spoken. Well, God's word is forever. It's really more like singing. It's like God is continually singing over the universe and his rhema, the sound of his voice, is continually working to hold everything together and make it work. He is incredibly wise. One smart fella. Because he is speaking it's like, it's like he spoke initially and the wisdom and the power within his words is holding the universe together and giving intelligence so that the laws of nature can work and make things happen. And it all holds together. One theory that they have is multiverses or they think that there are so many, like there's an infinite amount of universes to give the statistical you know, fact, or not fact, but to, to this is where I, I get a little confused on what they were trying to say, but they think that there are, an in, to, to, in order to have our universe to have the kind of life and organization that it has, and it be a statistical anomaly, there has to be so many other ones out there that are not having life in that universe, like in these parallel dimensions, and we just happen to be statistically the one random universe out of the infinite amount of universes that developed life. So that's like a theoretical physicist that comes up with something like that. It's like anything but God, right? I mean, let's just say that there are you know, billions and billions of dimensions, and we just happen to be the one that produced life. 
Really? Because they can't get past the idea that this dimension, this universe is so fine-tuned to support human life. Everything about this place seems to point to one idea, and that is it is designed to support human life. Everything. Physicists have a problem with this. They don't, they don't understand why it's all so fine-tuned with humans in the middle of it. We know, right? So, so his influence that he spoke, however long ago it was, is continually upholding this physical universe for us to live within it. Now, if he can do that with the universe, what can he do in your life? Now, he's holding everything together, but it's interesting because this human dynamic in the middle of that, he's given us dominion over this world. He is upholding everything and keeping it all together and working, but that doesn't mean that he's orchestrating all the circumstances of your life. Do you see what I'm saying? This world responds to us. It's like he said, I'm going to hold it all together. I'm going to create this atmosphere, this, this plane of existence for you guys to live within. Now, what you do with it is up to you because I love you that much. And in order for you to not to be a robot, you've got to have freedom. And the freedom that we have introduced sin and introduced chaos and introduced destruction and death. All the while, even in that environment, he's still holding it together because of his promise and we've really wrecked it. But when we open our hearts and we allow him to influence us, then his influence can come into where we live. And what happens? I mean, it is, it is, it is unlimited. All things are possible in a moment like that. You know, when you, when you think about these kinds of things in non-religious terms, and you think about it in terms of the God that created everything and how he influences stuff to work, just in your one little life, if you let him in it, what would happen? See, because his wisdom knows how to rearrange things to benefit us. He said it. He says, I don't have plans to harm you, plans for sickness towards you. I have good plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans to bring you to a hopeful end, an ex expected end full of hope. He's given us all his promises that are yes and amen. And we get religified in our thinking and think that he's trying to withhold things from us. It's like, no, man, his voice has made the whole thing work together. And if we open our hearts and let that voice then affect our lives, man, it's going to work as well. It's going to work the way he wanted it to. Just like the universe is working under his influence, our lives can work under his influence. So what is it that keeps us from letting him influence our lives and our hearts. Usually it's our guilt, it's our condemnation, it's thinking that we have to earn it. You know, it's like you don't have to wake up and choose to interact with gravity. It's happening all the time. Every moment of every day, every second. You are infiltrated or highly influenced by the power and the force of gravity. You can't choose to not be. But see, God is a spirit. Now, I'm just kind of being a little philosophical here for a minute, but I think it'll paint the picture. God is a spirit. His spirit is a force. It's not just a force, but it's partially force. It, it has an impact. But see, God's force, God's spirit is not like the laws of nature 
in that it works under the, the idea that there's an equal and opposite reaction for every action. You can't push into God's spirit and force a reaction. Like you can, like you can with gravity. You jump off a building, you're going down. You know, with electromagnetic, all the forces, everything that exists, all the natural forces and laws that exist, there's equal and opposite reactions. But see, you can't force God. That's why he's, you, can't, you can't use a carnal thing like lack in a place like Pine, is it Pine Ridge? And, and try to motivate God with lack or the condition of those people's lives because spirit doesn't necessitate a reaction. The way you interact with spirit is you receive it. It's a relationship. You trust. God is not forcing his spirit upon us. Everything else he created to sustain life, and he stands at the door of your heart and says, I would like to come in, and if you will let me in, I will show you things you can't even imagine exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think I want to do in your life. But his spiritual force is not like gravity that you act on it and it acts back. That's why people get confused. God, don't you see this? God, how could you let that happen? Well, he's a spirit. It's, it's by invitation. He's given us dominion over this planet. It's up to us to allow him to function through us and change this world. And it just so happens that if we let his spiritual presence manifest within us, just think about that, right? This world is created by God, and if you expose it to the creator, it's going to function the way that he designed it to function. That means your body will be in health. That means you will experience no lack. That means that you will continually walk in righteousness, peace, and joy from a heart level. Well, are you saying everything's going to be perfect and work out? No, Jesus said in this world you're going to have tribulation. But in your heart, in your mind, there can be nothing but peace and a continual acknowledgement of his influence. And those moments when you're not experiencing pressure and trouble from the world, you're allowing his spirit to touch your life. I think this is the process of wisdom. And it starts with awe and reverence toward him. You know, I look at the physics information and it just makes me think, man. Like one of the problems they have is of the model that they have created, that's only 5% of what actually exists. The other 95% of force and impact and influence that they say that is out there, they don't even know what it is. You get the, they call it just dark matter, gray matter, gray energy, whatever, but here's how they know that it's there. They can see its influence. That's like God. We can't see him, but he's influencing us. What they, one of the tests that they do is they have, like in deep space, two stars would be rotating around one another, or one would be rotating around one, and they can, they can measure what's going on between those stars and see a certain impact of gravitational force that those two are creating by rotating around each other. But the problem is there's more gravitational effect than those bodies have mass to produce. That means there's more mass out there creating the effect of the gravity. That means there's something else happening out there that is producing an effect from an unseen dimension. They don't even know what it is. 
That's true in our lives too. You're not left to your own efforts and strengths. It is not, the race is not to the swift. It's not to the strong. It's to those, you win the race by allowing God to influence you, thereby he will influence your life. And you will be taught. You will be led by him. You will know how to minister to other people. You will know how to choose the right jobs. You will know how to eat the right things. You will know, you will just know the way that God would do things. Because your mind is full of him. And you're set in awe and respect toward him. And that is the beginning place of wisdom. Now, for me, this brings an incredible sense of reverence and awe because I think I don't even have to do anything. You know, in Romans 1.20, it says that, that we clearly understand the things that are not seen by the things that are seen. That's why I love this quantum physics stuff because it's like, it's spooky, man. Stuff happens on that level that shouldn't be happening in this physical dimension. But it's like God. You know, it's, it's irrational what God can do in your life if you will just set your heart toward him and acknowledge him and trust that he is working, that he does have good plans. But we worry. We tell God what he's supposed to do through our prayers. We get worried about money, you know, the deceitfulness of riches, the, lust of, the cares of this world and lust of other things chokes the word. You know, I see the influence of God in that spiritual dimension as steady and constant as gravity in this dimension. And if we will choose to let him into our lives, he'll just be that steady, present force that establishes heaven in your life, just like gravity keeps you pulled down to the ground. Amen? Man, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have fine-tuned this universe to support life for us. I thank you that everything that you've created, if we will let it be, it can be a testimony of your love for us. That everything within creation can serve to bring us to a place of respect and awe for you and develop within us such an incredible thankfulness that we never limit you that we never blame you for death and destruction, that we see you as the source, the deliverer, the strong tower that we can take refuge within. And as we do, you touch our lives. And just like you said in Mark 4, the way that it all works is like a farmer that casts seed in the ground and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he doesn't know how it happens, but it bears fruit. Father, thank you that you've given us the kingdom seed within us. We commit to, teach, to just listen to your voice. We commit to acknowledge you and have that deep sense of awe and respect towards you so that you can be glorified in our lives. That's what we want. We want you, Jesus, to get what you paid for in us. We want the world to see how good you are, Lord.